don't get what they want. And so David starts venting out of his frustration. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, because he's like, God, what is, I mean, yo, like, like God, I'm trying to figure out what is it going to look like for me to wait on you in the midst of seeing the prosperity um, of the wicked. It kind of reminds me of back in the day when, when you know, back in the 80s, you know, uh, gear was a lot different back then. You know, we like to wear sweatsuits in the 80s. You know, so we had Vanguard sweatsuits. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Vanguard, MCM, Fendi. Fila, Gore-Tex, you know what I'm saying, Moss Brown sweatsuits. Uh, that's what Fila's first came out. You know, Fila's was brand new. You, nobody don't really wear them no more. Sorry if you got some more. But, um, but um, you know, I mean, and I, used to, and I used to see the drug dealers, and they would have the beepers. You know, that's when it was just beepers back then. You know, if you had a beeper, you know you hear a beep. You would never put it on vibrate because you wanted to make sure everybody knew that you had a beeper. And the drug dealers, we'd be playing basketball, and man, they would, they, would, they would have their beepers on, man, and looking at their beeper and scrolling through. It was crazy, the little beepers. You could turn the light on, push the button, it was crazy. And I would watch them. And I wasn't a Christian, but I was frustrated with seeing cats, you know, driving Monteros, Jettas, uh, uh, Full Runners. You know, those were our cars back then. You know what I'm saying? Maximus, um, Honda Accords, tricked out with the chrome on the side. You know what I'm saying? The bass rattling the whole car because the car is like hollow and metal. That's before they started making fiberglass cars. And so, uh, so I was frustrated. So I, under, I feel David. I feel David. Um, even today, I used to watch Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. You know, and I used to get frustrated just seeing people that don't seem like they like God seem like they're having a better life than I was having. And I was, I was kind of, I had to stop watching it, to be honest, because I was getting spiritually frustrated. And so David here talks about the obstacles to patience. Obstacles to patience. He says, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Fret means to be in a state of worry and concern as an extension of being internally angry. In other words, you're angry because somebody is getting what you want or people are getting what they want, but God doesn't seem to answer your prayers. And so, and so, and so David exhorts people who reads this to say, man, I'm telling you, don't, don't, don't get frustrated because of the bling culture that we go, that's going on today. Don't get, don't get frustrated because of the top 10 on 106 in Park and what you see in them being able to floss and being able to do. Don't get frustrated with that. Don't look at somebody else's MySpace page and get frustrated with what God is. In other words, he said, don't fret. He said, or be envious. Envious is an interesting word because it's a cousin of the idea of coveting. Say coveting. Coveting means to lack satisfaction with the current blessings of God on your life right now. Coveting means that you're so busy watching what somebody else has and daydreaming in your car about what you want in the future that you can't even enjoy what God has placed in your sphere right now. And that's a very bad spiritual place to be because it leads not only to dissatisfaction with where you are, but it also leads to dissatisfaction with God. And so we can't live lives. If we're going to be people who live in light of a life of Jesus Christ, that means we have to have a particular posture. So we're not always looking for the next best thing for us. And we live in an upgrade culture where it's easy to be impatient. You know, because some of us, you know, when a new phone like ours come out, you know, we try to act like something wrong with our phone <laughs> so that we can go get the new upgrade. Well, I, I don't know what's wrong with it. I mean, 
Y'all dropping it in toilet water, shaking it off, blow drying it off, and taking. That's see when you got to do stuff like that to lie and do. You just impatient. You know what I'm saying? And so and so it's very important not to be envious and not to lack a contentment about your life where you are. Envious means to be jealous, having a feeling of ill uh, ill will, raging and raging anger. So this 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 idea of this this is the challenges to envy. Number one, the first challenge to envy and fretting is this causes us uh, not to live in reality. Causes us not to live in reality. Jesus says that every day is enough trouble of its own. So stop trying to bring tomorrow into today because you're not even dealing with today. And many of us, our procrastination in our spiritual lives, because procrastination is a bad part of life because many of us who procrastinate and don't do what we what's heavy on our plate now is because we're looking at what we want in the future and so we really aren't doing spiritual maintenance on where God wants us to do in our life and that's a part of a discipline of being in the Lord Jesus Christ but not only causes us not to live in reality also not able to practice in it now we said that also you can be blinded by sin when you're envious because it makes you rush when you rush, you make a lot of bad decisions. Let me say that again. When you rush, you make a lot of bad decisions. You know that you are not being patient when you don't pray about a decision before you make it. And you can never pray enough. See, if the first thing you do is you feel a desire, I need it, and you run off and get it and you don't pray, like start hanging out and chilling and kicking it with an individual that you haven't really prayed about or talked to anybody else about that nobody else knows, but you're saying, I like them and want to be with them. And so instead of praying about it and getting somebody to investigate them, we just, the, I sense a peace in my spirit. You don't, that old spooky Christianity you got, talking about something, I, I, I mean, just, ain't no Bible in it, just I sense a peace. That's somebody's way of leave me alone because I'm going to do what I want to do. Amen. Now, God does do that. But some people use that as spiritual fog for not seeking God or his people or his word. That means you're impatient. And then when a lot of stuff breaks loose with that thing that you were impatient with, then you want to go, you want to backtrack now. You want to backtrack. Lord, I need you. You know I was fronting, right? God, I need your help now. And God is like, and he's so gracious and merciful. He, 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 he'll say, I saw this coming. Come on in. Come on into my office. Let's talk about it. Because, because, because it's very important, especially those in their 20s, early 20s, mid-20s, late 20s. You're making quick decisions. I'm, I'm going to do this now. I need this now. I got to have this now. It always leads to when you don't get a chance to seek God about it, it's a frustrating thing. People that also, another a challenge to this of being envious and fretting all the time is you're always irritable. Something just always wrong with you. Um, because... You haven't been settled by the drug of getting what you want. Many of us, we're not on weed, heroin, PCP. we on I want what I want. That's our drug. And when we get what we want, we feel better for a moment until we see something else that we want, and we just keep going through the dominoes of more, 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 more. And impatience can be a web into a multiplicity of sins like greed. Pride. And, 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 so, and so you're irritable all the time until you get what you want. Then when you get what you want seasonally, you're happy until you absorb it dry of everything that it has. 
It's just like life is like chewing gum that's sweet at first, but then it loses the sugar, then you're ready to spit it out. Make a host of bad decisions. A bad steward. Bad stewardship many times comes to impatience. In other words, running to sales when you know you ain't got the money to buy it. You ain't got the money, but you're spending your gas money to get you to work and your, and, and your train money on some gear. It got real quiet when I said that one. But then one of the greatest challenges of this is as you, impatience will eat away at you to the point where you'll feel disconnected from God. Because your life for, over time has been so unsynchronized with the Lord Jesus Christ and abiding in him and enjoying him that you've distanced yourself from God because you have pushed away from nurturing in yourself by God's grace the affections it takes to grow in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you become disconnected um, from the passions um, of God. But then he goes and he says, fret not yourself because of evildoers. He says, be not envious of wrongdoers. He said, then he gives you the, 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 the idea of what happens to people, of course, that rush. He says, for they will soon fade like the grass. Of course, the unrighteous here. They will fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. So he's basically saying there won't be any time left for them. In other words, they'll only get to enjoy what they get for a season, but not for a lifetime and not for eternity. But then he begins going into, he says, all right, we've, we've gotten out of the way that impatience is a bad thing. It's a very bad thing. So he begins telling us, what does it look like to be patient? He says this, he, he begins giving us some very practical things, which is rich theology, but deep pragmatics that help us to get an understanding of what it looks like to practice patience in our lives. Let's bring us to our next point. So you must remain committed to the light you already have. Let me say that again. If you're going to be patient, you are going to have to remain committed to what God has already revealed to you that you need to be doing. Let, let's, look at the, let's look at the text. He says, trust in the Lord and do good. Trust, tr trust never means being idle or lazy. See, some people think trusting God means sitting on their hands playing 360, chilling. But, 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 but the trust in the Lord does not involve laziness, but it means confidence and pertaining to place of reliance and belief on the person. So impatience is a sign of misplaced confidence. If you're not trusting in the Lord in between that season, what will happen is, is that impatience will become an idol. So what, one of the things that we see in this passage, we see him saying, trust in the Lord, Put total confidence in him and do good. In other words, he says, what do you know that you're supposed to be doing already that you as a believer should be already practicing? So he says, trust in the Lord and do good. In other words, don't let the lapse between time of God's promise and provision cause you to do bad or act a fool. In other words, just because God isn't providing what you want when you want doesn't mean you can't be spiritually vital and strong and productive. See, most of us don't think we can be productive until God provides something that we're asking him for. But guess what? God demands productivity even before he gives it to you. 
Because sometimes productivity is the precursor to provision. Somebody going to get that on the way home. And so he says, trust in the Lord and do good. Now, the Hebrew in this next part of the passage is, 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 is stupid rich. I mean, it's goofy. He says, dwell in the land and cultivate and befriend faithfulness. Some translations say cultivate patience. Dwell here is an interesting word. It means settle down. Say settle down. It means live among and inhabit. It means stay, remain. It means to camp, to set up camp somewhere. So basically, David says, he says, I want you to put up your tent, start a campfire because it's going to be a while. It's going to be a while. And, and, and he tells them to dwell there and remain there for a relatively unknown amount of time. For a relatively, and so that means, that means to live an unpacked, packed life. Let me say that again. The center of patience and to dwell means to live unpacked but still packing. See, as Christians, we are supposed to live in light of eternity because we know that now is not forever, right? So we're supposed to live with our bags packed, but we're also supposed to live with the suitcase zipped open. Many times when I travel, I don't put my stuff into um, the, the drawers. First of all, I don't know who had their stuff in there, you know, in the, in the hotel room. No, no, no telling what they got, whatever, all right? So, but what I do is because I'm not going to stay there, I, I, I zip my suitcase open and I leave it open because I'm still part, anything that I take off, cleans, dirty, I put in the suitcase, but I still leave the suitcase open because I'm still going to be using some of the stuff that's inside of the suitcase, but I still have the stuff in the suitcase because it's no telling what time I got to dip. And that's how the Christian's life must be. You must live a packed, unpacked life. That means that you live in such a way where you live in light of eternity, but you make the most of your time now because the Bible says in Romans, in Romans 14, and it also says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 5, I mean, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 5 through 10, it says, we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. What does that mean? That means that each one of us is going to give an account, those who know Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you get another one called the great white throne of judgment. But the judgment seat of Christ is not to determine whether you spend eternity with Jesus Christ, um, but the rewards of your practices while you were on planet Earth. So we're supposed to live a packed, unpacked life. There's a sense in which Christ, or we as Christians are pilgrims passing through. And so this points to the idea of contentment. Say contentment. Contentment, contentment, contentment versus complacency. See, contentment is an ingredient of patience that gives us the grace to wait on God. Contentment. Contentment. Contentment is the willingness to be satisfied with where God has placed you without becoming complacent. Complacent means com becoming lazy. Contentment means um, I'm, I'm going to be here and I'm not trying to run anywhere very, very fast. So contentment means becoming attached, complacence, complacency rather, means becoming attached to someone, something, or someplace that God hasn't graduated you from. So complacency is apparent, listen, when you have an unhealthy atta attachment to an unfinished spiritual assignment, 
sin or encumbrances. Let me explain that. Complacent, uh, uh, complacency happens when, 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 when you have an unhealthy attachment to an unfinished assignment. In other words, God is trying to move you on in life further along in your spiritual journey with him. And what happens is, 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 is you become attached to where you are versus where you're going. That's, that's when Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind me, but stretching forward to those things which are before me. I press towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. But then a, a complacency is also apparent when you're attached to a sin. You want to remain in a particular sin that you love to confess but love to re, never love to repent of. Encumbrances, and these are the ones that are, and this is real practical, because encumbrances are really, are really very hard sometimes for Christians to know what is an encumbrance because an encumbrance is not necessarily a sin. An encumbrance, based on Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, um, because it says, laying aside all weights and sin and encumbrances that so easily entangles us, but running the race with endurance. So what happens with encumbrances is encumbrances are things that are not sin, but they tangle you up from maximizing what God wants you to do. In other words, the idea of the illustration there is that we're running a marathon. And can you imagine a marathon running with one of them weight suits on? I don't know if you've ever seen somebody with one of them silver things on um, running. I mean, that means you got to lose some weight when you got that joint on. And it's basically closed up, and it's called a sweatsuit. It's literally a sweatsuit. And they run in it. Some people run with weights on. You know what I'm saying? They have weights on their wrists. They run with weights on their ankles. In other words, they're trying to lose a lot of weight. But the issue is, is a person that's in a marathon that's the illustration of what it looks like to be in the Christian life. When you add a lot of weights to yourself, that's not something that God wants you to do, then what happens is, is that it slows down your productivity. I remember before my wife and I got married, and before we got married, you know, I, 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 had, to rep I had to go back to some Christian sisters that I was just aimlessly dating, we would go to the movies together, go out and eat, all this stuff, hanging together. They're getting deeply emotionally attached to me, and I'm just like, what's going on? I don't even understand why you, what's, what's wrong with you? You know, like, we're, you, I mean, we're Christian brother and sister, just hanging out. Why are you tripping? You know what I'm saying? And, and, and so I'm thinking that, but, but little did I know as an old head pulled me aside. He said, let me tell you something, young boy. He said, when you're sitting down with a woman, see, you, you growing in Jesus Christ and stuff, you're talking about the scriptures, um, counseling and all of that. He says, he said, you could be the ugliest dude on the planet. He said, your mouth can be on the back of your head, nose pointing that way, cross-eyed, um, teeth spread apart. He said, but let me tell you something. He said, the way you're ministering to her is flirtatious. And I was like, for real? He was like, yeah. So he said, you probably need to, he said, I bet you when you say, Y'all need to stop hanging out. She's going to break down crying. He said, I guarantee it. I said, this dude tripping. I said, man, one of these dudes mentoring me, discipling me, say we need to fall back. <laughs> but I thought we were friends. And then come to find out, all her girlfriends would say she was feeling you. You know what I'm saying? And so, and, and then, but, but even though I wasn't wrong, I wasn't willfully sinning against her, that was an encumbrance that was stopping her from growing and me from growing. And so there are many weights and encumbrances in your life today that you try to utilize in the meanwhile instead of just waiting on God. 
And so Jesus mastered the tension between living a packed, unpacked life. It says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, the, 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 the Greek word skaneo there means to pitch a tent. In other words, I'm really here for real, for real. I'm not a spook. I'm not a ghost. The word became physical, flesh, body, circulatory system, bones, um, um, everything, um, a digestive system. He was a real human being. So he dwelt among us, and he had to hang out for 30 years knowing he was going to die on the cross. I don't know about you, but... I don't know if I would have been able to be like Jesus. I'd have been, I'd have, I mean, I'd have bite my nails down to my elbows and stuff. I mean, knowing that God was going to allow me to go through beatings, I was going to go through all these different things. But Jesus chilled out, and, and he did one of the most patient jobs that a person can do, carpentry. Jesus kept himself preoccupied doing carpentry, working with wood, talking to his pops, his step-pops. Oh, yeah, step-pops, yeah. Spending time with God, hanging out in the synagogues when needed. Very, very patient. Jesus was very patient. But then when he started his earthly ministry and people were trying to keep him on the planet Earth, he says, why are you clinging to me? He said, because I must go to the Father. In other words, Jesus had a sense of living a packed, unpacked life. Jesus said, I must die and I must suffer many things with the Pharisees and Sadducees and I must die on the cross and I must go to the right hand of the Father and send the Spirit. In other words, Jesus had a deep sense of how to maximize his time on right now and be faithful to where God has placed him, be patient to where God has placed him, but also dreaming about and looking towards a reality that's coming, but not letting the reality that's coming that God promised get in the way of his present practice. So Jesus, Jesus is the means by which we as Christians walk in patience. Patience can only be done through Christ. Let me say that again. Patience can only be done through Christ. You can grunt, you can do like that, you can close your eyes. It's not going to work. Only through Christ. And so he was able to do both and both and. I'm tweaking. A friend of mine gave me a quote, and I, and, I, and I tweaked it a little bit to apply to this situation. This word, of course, this idea of dwelling, 99% of the Christian life is just showing up. Let me say that again. 99.9% of the Christian life is just showing up, being present, and doing what God told you to do. Some of us want an extraordinary activity. Some of us just need to wake up in the morning, brush our teeth, wash, spend time with God, and get to the day. Some of it is, most of it is just showing up for the Christian life. But we all need to show up for the Christian life. You know, because God, I believe God the Father sings a song that I love, one of my favorite songs that the OJs used to sing. Your body's here with me, but your mind is on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We, need, we probably need the license. That's one of my favorite songs. But God is probably singing that to some of us. That your, your mind is here with me, but we don't realize that where our mind is, God is there too. But what's interesting is that we, we, we never are where we are. So that means we got to do that. But this is another application that he gives. He says, befriend faithfulness. Become a friend of faithfulness. The word befriend means to cultivate, to take pleasure in, to pastor something. It means to shepherd something. That's what the word uh, for, for, for befriend means, becomes a buddy with. 
Cultivate means work on, develop. What does it tell us to develop to be patient? It says cultivate faithfulness. Say faithfulness. Wow, wow. And that's, that's like, that's, that's a crazy word, y'all. It is very, very important that we would cultivate faithfulness. Cultivate and nurture faithfulness. Faithfulness means to be trustworthy, to be reliable. It's focused commitment to what God has clearly revealed. Faithfulness, faithfulness is focused commitment to what God has already revealed to you um, that you need to be doing. You know, it was times in my life where I blamed God for not sending me people to disciple me at certain parts of my journey. So I figured that since God didn't send me the person I wanted to disciple me, that I could just kind of just be all over the place. But even in the midst of me waiting on who I was praying for, that I still was called to cultivate faithfulness. In other words, we can't use the excuse that I don't have a person that's doing this for me. My wife and I, when we first got married, we was like, we need an older couple to just pour into it. And we, God eventually sent it. But it was crazy because God was still calling us to be faithful in our marriage even though we didn't have the pouring system that we were looking for at that time. And some of us are blaming the fact that God hasn't provided who we wanted not knowing that we already have him. And so your Christian life shouldn't be on hold because you're waiting for God to send the perfect person to pour into you. And so you got to cultivate faithfulness. Faithfulness. What are some of the points of that, of cultivating faithfulness? I remember, you know, one of the times, you know, when I took an administrative role in ministry, and um, I would finish my work real fast. I would finish all the work real fast. And instead of, you know, black people, I don't know about any other ethnicity, but black people, you know, I hate going into a place, and I'm trying to order something, and they're on the phone. Now, I could have, in my job, got on the phone, got on the internet, because the internet just came out, so crazy, telling on myself. But I could have been on the phone, yeah, man, I'm telling you, it was crazy, and talking all loud and acting a fool and being a bad steward with my time on my workplace. And so what I began to do, I said, I, I need to make sure I'll be a good steward. So what I did was I pulled up PowerPoint, Word, Excel, and started teaching myself that while I was at work, and it helped me to be better at my job and help me to get open up opportunities that I never got to open up because in the midst of that, I could have just went off and just said, oh, I finished my work, I've done this. But no, what I began to do was I began to cultivate, by God's grace, faithfulness. And so we, we as believers have to be in a state where we're walking by God's grace and faithfulness because one of the things that God is looking for is faithfulness. The church at Smyrna, he says, you are about to go through major persecution. He says, but I want you to remain faithful. When, when Jesus Christ comes, he's going to give people a pound that are believers, and he's going to say, well done, thy good, and what? Yeah. Faithfulness is big in God's book. Faithfulness is a big piece in God's book. And so, and so again, we got to be willing to cultivate faithfulness. In other words, spend the necessary time that it takes to be Faithful to the light that God has given us thus far. And if he doesn't give you more, you remain patient with it. And this is powerful what he says next. He says, dwell in the land and befriend or cultivate, shepherd, develop faithfulness, nurture faithfulness, maximize your time. Don't be idle, chilling out, merely hanging out. 
Leisure should not be the norm. Uh, uh, chills, being chill should not be the norm. Chill is something you do based on you doing something. Chilling is earned, y'all. What you doing? <laughs> Chilling. Chilling is earned. But you need to be fatigued enough from working. Busyness. Faithful, not empty busyness. Working. I know this is practical today, y'all. Working, spending yourself and cultivating faithfulness and pastoring your own soul. That's what the word here, cultivate faithfulness, means. It means to pastor your soul. Cultivate faith and be where you are, and then when you're spent, then I can feel you saying, I'm tired. But if you ain't done, I hate people that they tired from hang, they tired from resting. What you been doing? Oh man, you know, man, just I was watching so much TV today, man. It was a lot of work, man. Like all them shows was making my eyeballs hurt, man. And it went down into my muscles, man. And I, I was like, man, I gotta get some chill time, man. You know what I'm saying? So some of us need rest from resting. That's not biblical. All right. But then next it says, it says one of the most popular but misunderstood verses in the Bible. I believe this is one of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible. He said, delight yourself in who? In who? In who? And what will he do? Yeah, delight yourself in the Lord. That means have affection for God. That means don't just say you love the Lord, but you got to actually like the Lord. That means that it's enjoyable hanging out with him even when you don't feel like it. He says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, what that verse means is not you speak what you want. Some of God, I speak right now, I lay hands on this Lexus. Amen, God. And I speak right now in the spirit realm for you to release an anointing on this car and my finances. And I am going to receive this Lexus right now. I speak it. I proclaim it. I declare it. I herald it in the mighty name of Jesus. <laughs> Woo! That ain't delaying yourself in the Lord. That's delaying yourself in some flesh. Amen. Amen. What you want. What you want. That don't mean you don't pray to God for things. But delighting yourself in the Lord. When you delight yourself in the Lord, he changes what you delight in. See if, you're see, if you're delighting yourself in your own thoughts, then guess what? You're going to be praying and angry with God a whole lot. Some of us angry with God because God ain't answering your prayer. That's because you ain't praying like he like you to pray. And so delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you this. And we're going to talk more about prayer next week. And we're going we're gonna to talk about it how, um, you know, the first John chapter 5 verse 15 says, you, if you ask anything according to, to his will. Now, most people stop there. I mean, they stop at, if you ask anything, he will give it to you. And they'll just, they like John 15 version of that. But they don't go over to John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 15, that adds a, adds a, adds a, adds a clause to it that says, if it's in his will. And so, and so, and so, God likes it when we pray back to him what he's already said. But that means you have to have a right understanding of what he said so that when you pray it, he's willing to release it. 
but he's not going to give you what he don't want to give you. And so what does it look like practically to delight yourself in the Lord? To pray regularly? To pray regularly. Because prayer, as we'll find out next week when we talk about um, of the prayer life of Jesus, we're going to talk about Jesus' prayer life next week. But, 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 but one of the things we want to do is we want to have a regular prayer life with God. I know that 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says we should, chapter 5 verse 17 says pray without ceasing. However, I'm not just talking about all day meditative prayer, but a focused time in which you spend time in prayer with the Lord. You need to do that. That's a part of delighting yourself in the Lord. Even when you feel far away from him, hasten to his throne. Because and that means you're, that some God, sometimes God will sovereignly take away your feelings to want to be with him to see if you'll push to be with him. <laughs> listen, listen, it ain't delight until it hurt. What if God takes away your affections for him and says, I want you to push? That's why James 4 says, if you draw near to me, I will do what? Draw near to you. But praying is not about feeling. It's about faithfulness. Not only that, we got to study the Bible. Amen. Delighting yourself in the Lord means not just having general Bible reading. We're going to talk about this when we talk about studying the Bible. Not just having general Bible reading, but you need to begin to work through what you're actually dealing with, particularly in your life that day, so that, and put the word of God on it. That's why David said in Psalm 119, 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Get in the word, y'all. Pray. Get in your... I know this is simple, but some of as simple and reminder-ish as this is, how hard is it to do, huh? Amen. So, so pray. Get in prayer. Be excited, like make yourself, like, like go put some cold water on your face and shake in the mirror and look at yourself, smack yourself in the face and get in God's presence. You know what I'm saying? You got to get ready. Get in his presence. Amen. Get in the word of God. Not only that, remember God's works in your life. That's delighting yourself in the Lord. Because sometimes when you're going through something right now, you forget how God did something in the past. And so David says a lot of times in Psalm 119, he says, I have meditated on your testimonies. Meditating on God's testimonies is meditating on what he has done for you and for others and seeing it in light of his word to say, God, I can be patient because I know you're going to bring me through this. So you got to begin to meditate on God's testimonies. Not only that, you got to work. Delighting yourself in the Lord sometimes is being busy, godly busyness. Not aimless busyness. Haggai chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 say work. One part of the verse is a period in front of it and behind it. Just one part of the verse is just work. <laughs> so, so, so that means pray, pray regularly, study the Bible, get in the scriptures, remember God's works in your life and work. Next one is to serve. Next one is to serve. Some of us say, well, I'm praying, I'm spending time in the Bible, but you don't serve nobody but you. So it's going to be important to serve other people and not only serve your own passions, but serve someone else. Romans chapter 12, everybody stops at verse 2, but if you go through 3 to the rest of the chapter, it's about how you love on other people and serve other people and walk with other people. 
So again, you, want, you need to be in prayer. <laughs> These are just some practical ways to delight yourself in the Lord. Pray. Open your mind. I'm going to talk next week. I don't know how to pray. I know some of y'all are new believers. I don't know how to pray. We're going to walk through that, all that next week, next couple of weeks. Study the word regularly. Remember God's works in your life. Work and serve. Next, submit to God's ordained leadership. Many times, people that God has placed in your life, whether it's elders, whether it's deacons, whether it's other Christians that are older in the faith than you, or people that have walked longer with you, sometimes when you, delighting yourself in the Lord is submitting to hard words from other people. Because that means you like God more than you like yourself. And when you like God more than you like yourself, he'll align you with his will. See, prayer is not our dictation of our will to God, but it's our alignment with God's will. So submit to God's ordained leadership. Commune with his people. Be with his people. Be around other people that actually like God too. So that you can nurture. That means you can't isolate yourself. That means you can't hang out only by yourself. Like I'm one of the people that I like to go to the movies by myself. I know it's kind of weird. You know, every time I go to the counter, they'll say, they'll say, um, how many tickets will there be? I said, one. They'll be like, one. Wow. Okay. Um, and so they'll, you know, kind of do that. But, you know, I'm one of those people that, you know, and I'm not saying we don't need alone time. We need alone time. But I am saying that you need to commune with his people. Last thing you do to delight yourself in the Lord, I believe, is hold everything in your life with an open hand. Live life with an open hand. Because if you close your hand with your desires, then God has to break some fingers. And when you delight yourself in the Lord and hold everything with an open hand, you say, God, it's, it's, it's all yours. And he says it in the next part of the verse. He says, commit your way to the Lord. That word there, uh, commit means to roll to God. That means things that are too heavy for you, you, it's so heavy that you can't take it to the Lord. You got to roll it to the Lord. That word literally means to roll. That means bring your anxieties to God. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. So God even knows that when we're waiting, it's hard and we have, we're full of anxiety. But the things that's causing us not to be patient, we need to take them to the Lord so that it can help us to wait. But you got to talk to the Lord about your lack of patience. I talk to God all the time about whatever I want that he's not providing when I want him to provide it. I just conversate with him about it. I say, God, you know, I'm, I, you know, you know I love you. I'm going to walk with you no matter what. But I'm struggling with you right now. Because there's some things that I believe I need, and it seems like you don't think I need them yet. And I understand that. Because you God, but I just, I'm your child. I, gotta, I, gotta, I just got to talk to you about this. I'm, I'm struggling with your lack of provision right now. And so if I'm going to be faithful to you, I need your power to help me to wait. So whenever you're going to do it, and I know you're going to do it, but I'm just saying, Lord, I'm struggling right now. In other words, delighting yourself in the Lord doesn't mean acting like you're not being impatient, but it's honestly letting God know about where you are in your lack of patience so that he can work with you in it because God loves it when, he, he's, um, when we're honest with him about where... We actually are. And so he says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. And he will act. He said, he will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still. Be still. That means uh, sit down somewhere. Be silent. Shut your mouth. That's what literally in the Hebrew, be still means. 
He says, before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way. Over the man who carries out his evil way. It's funny. Whenever um, someone's beeping at me because I'm not driving too fast and they go around me real fast, I get a little mad. And it make me want to race them. I don't know if you ever had that. You driving it, and, and, and I don't know what it is about the, the like. If you go, beep, beep, just beep at me like that. Just beep, beep, that's respect. When you're done, done, I'm sitting there boiling. My blood is just boiling. And then when they go around you real fast, and they do like that at you, or they or they hit you up real quick. I mean, I don't know what happens to me, but sanctification kind of leaks out of me, and my my right foot just just says. Get him! You know, just run up beside him and say something crazy. And so I'm ready to go, then I'll just slow down. The Lord say, what if he got a gun? That's the Holy Spirit. See, somebody, that might be somebody crazy, E. Slow your roll, because he may shoot out the car at you. So the Lord know how to talk to me to get me this. I'm like, okay, he may shoot at me. I got a wife and kids, ministry, slow down. You know what I'm saying? So in other words, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know, you know, so I mean, we need help to slow down. But I'm the, all we're saying today is that they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. But renewal of strength only comes if you're waiting. God doesn't give you the grace to enjoy waiting. I'm hoping that we learn to enjoy the wait on Him. That we learn to enjoy the wait on Him. It's just like as I close, my parents used to think they could hide Christmas gifts from me. When they went to, I knew when they went to the toy store, you know, all of that. And I would always try to find the gift. They, they, they always, I don't know why they would always put them in the bottom of the closet in their room with some shoes and clothes on top of them. They would always do that. But what was interesting about it is on Christmas Day when I'd already seen the toys, it kind of spoiled the surprise. And so I really wasn't able to enjoy the Christmas day that my parents were trying to provide for me because I was so impatient about seeing what I was going to get. And sometimes I would just sit with a flashlight and look at the box and just look and just stare. And just this flashlight on, just look at that thing. Dang, I can't believe it. Figures sold separately. And so I'm reading stuff. You know, and then when the day, and then when the day finally comes to enjoy them, I can't enjoy them because I've spoiled the surprise. God wants us not to spoil the surprise. God wants us to wait and let him surprisingly reveal to him what he's waiting for us on. And some stuff that we're waiting for him on, he's never going to give to us. Will you be okay with that? If he's, if he's what we're waiting on, he's our delight. Jesus is our delight, family. Jesus had hard prayers too. Jesus had hard prayers too. Lord, take this cup from me. Take this cup from me. But not my will, but your will be done. So I'm praying that we can begin to have a life that's marked by waiting. Waiting. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you have given us the ability to be patient through Christ. You have already given us the ability to do it. It's just that we don't nurture it in ourselves and apply it much. And so, God, I'm praying that just real practically, Lord, that we would learn how to wait when you seem slow. The reason why you seem slow is because we want everything now. And so, God, I, I really pray in Jesus Christ's name that you would give us 
the grace to wait and to be patient and to walk in it, Lord God. Help us to be satisfied with, with what you've already given us even at this point and enjoy it. Even if our circumstances don't change, Lord God, we want to keep our eyes on you, Lord God. And for those who don't know you today, who um, haven't trusted you as Savior, I pray that you would cause them to repent, turn away from sin and turn towards you and trust in Christ Jesus alone, by grace alone, through faith alone. Touch our time of communion as our men come. As our men come, Lord God, let's, let us celebrate the one who gives us the, the ability to wait with focus, with direction, with grace, and with wisdom, knowing that you will not withhold any good thing from us. Look, God, we, and, and here, of course, many times we shy a lot away, we shy away from God providing things because we're always trying to nurture in ourselves what it means when God doesn't provide something and wanting him and him alone. But Lord, we know that you do provide stuff, so we, want, we don't want to discount your provision. But we don't ever want our, what you provide to pr replace you. And so, Lord God, help us to walk in the nutrients of the faith, of the gospel, that demands that we wait on you even when you seem slow to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Community plates are about to come around. Our men are stationed. If you're in Christ Jesus, um, um, th this part, that means you've trusted Christ as Savior. Um, we're asking that if you have trusted Christ as Savior, you, you, you can take the communion. But if you're not in the Lord Jesus Christ, we would just ask that you let the cup pass because it's only for those who are in a joyous relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. While our praise team sings and leads us in prayers, praise, let us meditate on the beauty of our Lord who gives us the ability to walk and practice patience. <laughs>